You're listening to the ministry of Potter's House Church Wandsworth, a Christian Pentecostal church based in South London, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our call is to reach the lost, make disciples and plant churches. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit us at phcwandsworth.co.uk. John 14, verse 14, John 14, verse 14, where um, I want to start a series uh, by my spirit. And so this is going to be our theme for the year. And uh, just to give you an introduction of why I'm doing this series and what I really believe God wants to do, God really laid this upon my heart from the, almost from the middle of last year, that this is where uh, God wants to take us, that so many times in the, in, in this uh, passage of scripture where this comes from it says it's not by power nor by might and what he's saying is it's not by your own doing it's not by your own strength it's not by your own ability what he's saying is is, is that there are some things that we want to do that we can't do without God how many are with me how many are with me there that there's things that you want to happen in your life and you realize without God this ain't gonna work and so many times can I tell you, the, the areas where we are a little bit ashamed or a little bit embarrassed about or we're disappointed about last year, do you, know, do, you know, do you know why that is? That was you. That was the best you could do. That was you doing you. When God gets involved, he takes you beyond you. He takes you beyond you. You want your marriage to be spectacular? It's going to take more than you. You want your kids? You want to, you want to be a better parent? It's going to take more than you. And so what we're saying is, I want to do things beyond what Courtney can do, what, beyond what Courtney's ever done. I want God to get involved. How many know when we read our Bibles, God does wonderful things, wondrous things. And so that is what I'm game, aiming for this year. How many with me? You want that? Listen, we're going to go for it this year, and we're going to believe God. And so this is... Uh, what we're going to be ministering on by my spirit. Now, I want to preach a short message today. I always say that, but uh, I'm going to really try and keep to it. Um, just more of a teaching, preaching type of thing. And so, as the Potter's House Church, that's the name of our church. If you're a visitor here, welcome. If you're a regular, welcome. Um, the Potter's House Church, we are a Pentecostal church. Some of you may know that, some of you may not. We are a Pentecostal uh, church. The word Pentecost, really, the word Pente is the word 50. Pentecost means 50 days. It's a Jewish feast. And 
it would be a 50-day feast. And so that's when, when you have a pentagram, and it's Pente is five. And so it's, it's, it's 50 days. It was this ceremony for 50 days in the Old Testament. It was a feast. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, and that's why, because we believe in the Holy Spirit, we would identify ourselves as Pentecostal. Now, I was speaking to somebody recently, and they told me that they visited the church before they came to our church. And listen, I'm not bigging up our church more than any church. I love our church, by the way. That's just it. I love you guys. You're the best. But I'm biased, so it's up to you what you do. But they went to a church before our church, and so they went, it was a Pentecostal church, and there was a lady there preaching, and so they was offering people to come up and pray, and she said the woman put her hand on her head and tried to push her down, and so she wouldn't go down, so the woman just started to, and so she was stepping back, and she said the woman was following her around the church like this, and so um, if you've been in a, some type of Pentecostal environment, and some people, you may think pen, to be a Pentecostal means you've got to fall down means you've got to go on the floor and start shaking and hallelujah any minute in the service. Now, I'm not saying you can't. If you want to go down, it's fine. We don't mind. As long as you don't hit nobody, hurt nobody, disturb the service, you can go down. But we're not saying you don't have to go down. How many, how many with me? How many know Jesus, Peter, and, and Paul and the disciples didn't go down? We never saw that. So we're, not, we're just saying it's, it's just, it is what it is. Pentecost, or to be a Pentecostal, should I say, means we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's really what we're saying, is that we believe that God fills his people with his spirit. And I want to tell you that this truth can be the most powerful thing that changes your life. This truth, that God wants to fill you. Think about it now, that God... The self-existent one who inhabits eternity. Think of that. He inhabits eternity. He lives in eternity. Eternity has no end. But he shrinks himself down and wants to dwell inside of us. This is an amazing, amazing thing. And we want to look at that and kind of study that today. And then we're going to believe God. I'm going to pray for some people at the end of this service. So let's just leap into this text. John 14, 14. And this is Jesus speaking. Uh, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. How many say amen to that? If you love me, keep my commandments. <laughs> no one said amen to that. <laughs> I like the asking part. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit on the end of that, man. It's about obedience. But let me move on. And I will pray the Father. He will give you another helper. So this is not the Father. This is not the Son. This is another helper. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, unsafe people cannot receive. So someone could tell you, yeah, unsafe people could just get filled with the spirit. They cannot receive. So people can say things, but we want what the Bible says. Amen? Praise God. I thought I'd get a bit more of a... But anyway, let's move on. Because uh, it neither sees, the world neither sees him or knows him, but you know him... For he dwells with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit up to this point is with them. He's with them. But this is something, Jesus is saying something more tremendous is going to happen. He's going to be in you. And he says, I will not leave you orphans. 
I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me, uh, see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. Let's pray. Father, we ask you right now for your grace, your mercy, your love, your kindness. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would shower down upon us your presence. Father, right now, just as we've spoken, Lord, let this service be not by might, not by power, not by revelation, not by wit or humor. Father, let it not be by the man's intellect or man's will. Let it not be by our own design or doing. We have no confidence in the sound, the music, the lights, the building, the people. Father, everything we do today, we just put it in your hands. We need you. We need to meet with you this year. We need you in our marriages. We need you in our finances. We need you in our bodies, restoring our health, coming against disease. We need you in our children. We need you in our careers, our education. We need you in our ministries, our evangelism. Father, we need you in our church planting, our disciple making. Father, every single thing we do, we need you. Father, let not a breath be taken idly without even realizing we need you. Father, this year we just commit this whole year into your hands. And we pray, Father, that we do not rely upon our own strength, ability, or wisdom. Father, those things are futile and fragile. But, Father, we rely upon your spirit who, who is bold and strong and powerful. And nothing can resist your spirit. We ask you this in Jesus' name and God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let me start with talking about what we believe. And so we believe in the Holy Spirit and he, we would say he is the third person in the Trinity. We believe in the Trinity, that is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We believe in one God and one God consists of three persons, not human persons, but persons. And I'll go into that more. We believe in one God three persons. Now, I meet people all the time, and when I'm witnessing to people and evangelize, and I, I meet people from different religions, and I witness to them, and one of the things sometimes they say is, how can this be? Do you believe in the Trinity? How can one God be three persons, or how can three be one? And I always, you know, before I, I'd be like, well, okay, because of this, and I'd give them analogies and, and all of that, but you know, I talk about water. Water can be ice. Water can be steam. Water can be liquid. And so there's a poor analogy, but I, yeah. I talk about an egg. An egg has a yolk. An egg has a, a, the white pit. The egg has a shell. And again, it's a poor thing. And as, I, as the more and more I read my Bible, what I realize is I'm trying to find an answer to a question that doesn't make sense. I'm, find a, I'm trying to find an answer to a question that don't make sense because they're asking me, how can God be that is the wrong question. The reason why I say it's the wrong question, in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8, can we get a bit deep? Look at someone say, get ready. We're going deep. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18, look what it says. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but things which are not seen are eternal. This scripture shows us great insight into this. The first thing is there's things that are seen and not seen. How many of you see that? That means there are two realities. Two realities. They're both real, 
They're two different realities. There is a reality which we see. This is us now. There's a reality which is not seen, meaning it cannot be observed or felt by our five senses. I've spoken about this many times, our five senses of sight and touch and smell and hearing and taste. It cannot be experienced by those senses. It's a spiritual realm. It's unseen, but it still is a reality. So the Bible shows us there's two realities. How many realities is there? Oh, you guys are theologians. So think about this now. We've got two realities, but this Bible also says this. One of the realities which cannot be seen is eternal. One of the realities that can be seen is temporal. The reality that can be seen is this reality. Everything is temporal. It's bound by the laws of thermodynamics. The reality that cannot be seen is not bound by the same laws. That means the, re the other reality doesn't have the same limitations. You are asking me a question about that reality because this reality has limitations. You are saying, how can that reality do what this reality can't do? But we've already understood that the Bible is self-explanatory. That this tells us that the two realities overlap, but they do not synchronize with the same limitations. Uh, how many are with me? Some of you, praise God. If, if God has limits, then he's no longer God. Once you say, how can God... Mm -mm, wrong question. <laughs> wrong question. You've gone wrong. It's like saying, when eternity ends. Well, if it ends, it's not eternity. <laughs> how many know you can't kid a kid up? It doesn't make sense. And so to say, how can God... So the real question, if someone asks you that question again, say, no, no, your question is wrong. So if your data from the beginning is wrong, it will come up with the wrong estimations at the end, whatever. Uh, uh, but this is the right question. Does the Bible teach it? Does the Bible teach it? Because we're here not to speak of ourselves. We're only here to witness about what the Bible says. How many are with me? I thought I'd have a more amens than that. How many are with me? How many want more Bible this year? Do you want me to get up and tell you my opinion? No, you want Bible. And so think about this now. The question is this, the right question, is it in the Bible? What we see in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, have we got that scripture? This is Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one God. And so we believe there is one God. We don't believe in multiplicity of gods. We don't worship thousands of gods. We don't worship three gods. We believe in one God. But when God speaks of himself, he speaks of himself in a duality. He speaks of himself in, in, a, in a group form. In Genesis 1 verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That is English, but in the original Hebrew, when it says, in the beginning, God, that name for God is Elohim. The name Elohim, you can study this out in your own time, is a plural noun. What it means is, it's a compound unity. If I was to say a cluster, one cluster, how many clusters is that? One. But you know by that word, there must be a multiplicity inside of that. The word Elohim, the name Elohim in the Hebrew is a compound unity word. It means there must be multiple in this one God. Multiple persons, not multiple gods. I know your head is stinging right now. But 
remember, we don't have to fully understand everything and force it into this reality. We must analyze and say, is it what the Bible teaches? Genesis 1 verse 26 adds ear to this when it speaks about let us. This is God speaking. And God said, let us make man. Let us in our image. We're not made in the image of angels. God is not having a conversation with any angel, any created being. He's having a conversation within the Godhead. Let us. Genesis, we see it again, Genesis 3.22. Behold, the man has he's become like one of us. Genesis 11, verse 7, come let us go down. Again, all of these references are to the one God speaking within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so this is something you must, 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 must understand this because this is how God has revealed himself. And if you are holding any other interpretation of God in your mind, you are creating an idol. You're creating your own God. This is who God says that he is. It's like me writing a letter to you we've never met, but you want to come to our church. And I said, I'm going to meet you outside. And I'm going to say to you, yeah, this is how, this is how I look. Have a light complexion. I'm just under six foot. Uh -huh. What's the matter, man? I'm hench, handsome. <laughs> That's what my wife tells me. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Slightly shorter than that. But imagine if you say, yeah, 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 you're looking for a guy who's three foot two. I'll be like, three foot, I ain't three foot. I ain't three foot. You're imposing your own ideas on my identity. Think about it now. If, uh, this is why God wants us to know who he is. Remember the Bible says that we must, uh, to have faith and hope, is to be believing in God, coming to God, knowing who he is, and believing in that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You've got to believe who he is. And so we have to understand this. So here we have, in the scripture, there is one God. His name is Compound Unity. We see him speaking within himself. So the Bible is already showing us in the Old Testament, there is a duality to God, but we may not fully understand it or comprehend it yet. And then we follow God's narrative all the way through the Old Testament, and we see consistently that there's something about this one God, there is a duality about him, and then it becomes far more clearer when we get into the New Testament and John 1 verse 1 where it says, in the beginning was the word. That, that word that you're reading word in English, in the Greek, is the word logos. The word logos means the word, it's like a reference to the, the, the reason for, the, the reason why, the explanation for all existence. And that's what he's saying. When he called Jesus the word, now some of you will be like, why didn't, when, when John was, reading, was writing the gospels, why didn't he say in the beginning was Jesus? Because remember, Mary and Joseph called him Jesus. In the beginning, he weren't called Jesus. So that's why he didn't. Why don't you just put, make it easy and put Jesus? No, no, no. John is like, listen, I need to show you this brother's bigger than that. He, didn't, he weren't born. He pre-existed. And he says, in the beginning, that means before there was anything, there was the logos, the reason for. That is Jesus. Jesus is the word. He says, and the word was with God. That means he's always been side by side. But look what he says here. And the word was God. That means made of the same consistency. The same thing, the same stuff. 
Now, if you know your Bible well, God's, God will constantly say, there is nothing like me. So as soon as we understand that Jesus is like God the Father, then he must be God. So we understand all the way through the Bible, and I'm going to retrace it to repeat myself, because by repeating, you get it. From the very beginning, God's name is duality. From the very beginning, God speaks of duality among, among himself. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and the Bible tells us he is God. There's no debate. He is God. He was in the beginning. He was with God. He is God, made of the same stuff. So now we start to say, ah, so we understand that God is Father and God is Son. One God by three people. Our brains are stinging, but because we're finite and he's infinite. God goes on forever. We don't even know what we're going to eat later. Also, let's read one more New Testament scripture to explain this more. Colossians 1 verse 15. The Bible says, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the image of God. When you see Jesus, that's God. He is the image. He is the expressed image. It would be like, what we're saying is, is that this is how you see God. Because God is spirit, he's invisible. But God put on flesh in Jesus. Look what he goes on to say, firstborn over all creation. By him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth. All things were created. But who created all things? God. So if Jesus, this is what it said, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God and Jesus has made everything that's ever been made, that's telling you Jesus is God. How many are with me? Please don't lose me, man. I feel lonely up here. It says, visible and invisible. God is, Jesus has made everything because Jesus is God. So you say, who made it? Did Jesus make it or did the Father make it? Yes. <laughs> yes. No, God made it. When you say God, you're speaking about Jesus, you're speaking about the Father, and you're speaking about the Spirit. They're God. They're interchangeable. This is why you're reading your Bible, and Jesus says, no man takes my life from me, I lay it down, and I'll take it back up again. Then later on you read, Jesus was resurrected by the Spirit. Then later on you read, the Father resurrected him. Who did it? God. Well, was it the Son, was it the Father, was it Jesus? Yes. Because they're God. They're all God. That's, that's a, this is how it is. Now you're like, Pastor, I don't get it. Remember what we said, rewind. That reality is not confined by the limitations of this reality. It's not the it's a different reality. The things which are not seen are eternal. They're not bound by the laws of thermodynamics. One is three, three is one. Okay, think of it like this. If you have a cube, a cube is one. You have one cube. But how many squares make a cube? Six. So imagine you live in a two-dimensional universe and I'm trying to show you a cube. You're like, oh, a cube is a square. It's like a square, but it's six. Six squares make a cube. So you've got six cubes. No, one cube. Six squares on either side. Huh? Is it a square or is it a No, it's both. Because if you live in a two-dimensional universe, you only know about square. Remember, we, we live in a three-dimensional universe. High, width, length. And the fourth is time. If you, those of you that are science, you'll know that. Time is a dimension. So we live in a four-dimensional universe that we can observe naturally. God exists outside of that. 
God lives outside of that. This is why heaven's going to be bad. Because in heaven, you might hear color and smell sound. <laughs> that tune is bad. <laughs> I don't want to blow your mind today. See, this is, this is, these are the things I've got to think about. You're looking at WhatsApp. I'm thinking, I'm looking at my Bible. Thinking, God, you're amazing. I'm going to behave. Okay, let me move on to this. And this is where I want to go. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. The nowhere in the Bible does it speak of the Holy Spirit as an it. The Holy Spirit is not just a force. Like God just... It's not like, you know, oh, you... Uh, God did like, to the disciples were in the room and I, Jesus went, I, you can, and then fire came. <laughs> Combo move. That's not what happened. The Holy Spirit is a he. Not a force, it's a he. We used to sing a song and I, I remember just saying to the worship leader, I said, we need to correct that, it's bad doctrine. Sometimes we sing songs, they're bad doctrine. I've sung them, I've, you know, I'm not, we don't have to go on a campaign and sign a petition, but I'm just saying, sometimes, because it was like, send it on down, send it on down, Lord, let the Holy Spirit come on down, send it on down, I was like, no, 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 it's not it, it's he, send him on down, but not it, see, we also, we don't believe in uh, what they call uh, sabellism, and what that is, is people believe that the father morphed into the son, then the son morphed into the spirit, no, we don't believe that either. Because when Jesus was baptized, we see all three. We see Jesus coming out of the water and the Father saying, this is my beloved Son and who's well played. And the Bible says the Spirit descended like a dove onto the Son. So all three are always there in eternity. So God is not playing theater. Hi, hi, how you doing? You okay? No, no, no. God's not doing that. God's not mucking about. God don't play games. God don't play games. God is serious. God is saying, listen, I'm above you. That's what it is. I'm just above you. And God don't explain himself. God's like, this is what I am. And what? This is what I am. Yeah, I don't get it. Get it. This is what I told you I am. This is why Moses goes before God. Who should I say he send you? I am? That I am. Uh, no, but can't we? No, 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 no. You can't break this down. You can't make this simple. You can't make, God can't, but it's not simple, Pastor. God can't be simple. What he does is he reveals a part of himself to us so that we can get saved and know how to live. But in eternity, when we're in eternity, that means it's not even time at that end, because even as soon as we say time, it's no longer eternity. When we're in eternity, we could be there, again, this is poor vocabulary, a billion years. And God would just be like, you know me, Courtney? Yeah, I know you. I've been a billion years. I spend every day with you. Every second of God will be like, check this out. And like, My days! I did not even know that about you. Because the Bible says throughout all eternity, he will reveal himself. It will take an eternity. See, I don't know about you, but I've got a big God. I've got a big God. Listen, I've got bills. I've got aches and pains. I've got stress with people. But those things can't distract me from my God. He's way too big, way too powerful, way too everlasting. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't want no problems this year. Look at someone say, I don't want no problems. Look at someone say, I'm tired of problems. 
But look at them and say, but even so, God is bigger. Give him praise. Let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. Let's just give him praise. Listen. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, if you've never used this type of vocabulary in your theology, as soon as I say person, you think of a human. But when we say the word person, we're just saying that this is an entity, this is a person, this is someone who has emotions, intellect, and will. The Holy Spirit is expressed like that. We're going to see that over the next few weeks. The Holy Spirit can speak to us, the Holy Spirit can teach us, the Holy Spirit can lead us. So it can't be it and it can't be a force. This, this, is, this is not a he. This is an it. Move it. I don't say, yeah, could you get him and, and put him over there? No, you use that vocabulary for a person. Nowhere in the Bible does it say it. It's always he. 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 See, the main reason Jesus says in this text, and this is where we're going to get to, we're going to close, we're going to pray. The main reason that the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus says in the text, I will pray the Father that he will give you another helper. All of this that I've said, all of this is to tell you this. God has sent the Holy Spirit to help you. God wants to help you. God wants to help you. How many know we need help? Some of you right now, you need help. I don't mean like that. Some of you, you need help. But I don't mean like that. I mean, you need help. You're just going through things. You need some help. Listen, God's Spirit is here. If you're not saved in this place, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, get saved today because God wants to help you. God wants to help you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to help you. Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have a helper. If you're not filled, we're going to pray for you today. Listen, this is what God wants. Jesus said, I'm going to pray that I'm going to send you another helper. You know, in other places, Jesus actually says, it's more advantageous for you that I go and he comes. Now, I don't know about you, but I would like it if Jesus lived next door to me. Some of you wouldn't. Because you'd be like, boy, I've got to cut that thing out, man. <laughs> Jesus could see that brother come around. <laughs> but me, listen, I'm, I'd, really, I'd like to see Jesus live next door to me. To me, I'm like, so when Jesus says to the disciples, it's better that I go so that the Spirit comes. I would have been like, no, 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 stay. Stay, Jesus, man. Can't you stay? But Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't get it, Courtney. Having a Holy Spirit in you is more powerful than just having Jesus physically with you. Jesus says, because the Spirit is in you, because he is in you, you will do greater things than he's done. He says, this is what God's plan is. He wants to put his Spirit in you so that all that you need to do, he says he's a helper. Now, when we say the word helper, we don't get excited because we think of someone going around your house with a feather duster, like a helper. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm a helper. Or someone who helps old people to have a bath or whatever. And You know, that's what we think about as a helper. But the word helper, the word parakletos, is, it expresses far more than that. One of the names, what the word helper means is, is an advisor. An advisor. The Holy Spirit wants to be your advisor. He wants to advise you. How many, how many know when you come up against a situation you don't know what to do? Places you ain't been before. See, some of you are asking for things that you've never experienced before. You want to move to a next dimension. You want to go to that job or that business or you want to go into that marriage or have kids. And you don't know what to do. You need an advisor. 
Some of you are like, what do I do right now? I'm confused about the situation. God says, that's what the Spirit is here to do. Now, I can, I can give you wise counsel, but some things you don't even need to call me. You don't even need the pastor. Sometimes people depend too much on the pastor. It's dangerous. Listen, I love you all. You can call me. You can be my friend. You can seek wise counsel. The Bible says, in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. So if you're a lone wolf, maverick, rebellion, yeah, you're going to suffer. <laughs> you're going to suffer. That's, that's between you and God. But sometimes you just got to say, hold on, what's the spirit telling me? Let me slow down. Let me stop. Let me go home. Let me turn off the music. Let me shut the door behind me. Spirit, what are you telling me? What are you saying to me? See, sometimes, and I'm not even going to go into that too much today because I'm going to save that. But sometimes we're just not listening. We're just not listening. We're just doing our own thing. Because you know what the Spirit is saying? Why don't, how come you stop talking to that sister? Guy, it's gone quiet, isn't it? It's gone quiet, man. <laughs> the Spirit is saying, how come you haven't told your wife you love her? The Spirit is saying, shut down that window on your computer. That YouTube channel is not good for you. But we don't listen. We're not listening. We've got to start listening to the Holy Spirit. Because he says, if I can start telling you these little basic things, then I can start to take you into deeper waters. Advisor, that you could, think about this now. Imagine if someone gave you some money to invest. You're like, I don't know what to do. And I said, listen, I call this brother. And you looked at the card, it was Warren Buffett. You'd be like, that brother. And I said, call him any time. He'll tell you. Warren Buffett's the richest man in the world. He knows what to do. He knows how to invest. Warren Buffett can talk and invest and digest because he has a brain. Warren Buffett didn't make his own brain. God made his brain. The God that made the brain of Warren Buffett says, I want to advise you if you're willing to listen. When he says, I'm going to send you a helper, he said, I'm sending you an advisor. The word parakletos, helper, means an advocate. Someone who's on your side. Think about it now, someone's on your side. Imagine going for a job interview. This is the dream job. This is the job that you've always wanted. This is like hundreds of thousands of pounds. Maybe some of you, that's a demotion, but to the rest of us, that would be a good job. Hundreds of thousands of pounds a year. This is the dream job. This is the best job that you just want. This is the one you want. Like if you didn't get it, you cry. You're sitting in the interview. There's two people interviewing you. There's the, 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 the guy that's going to be your boss. And there is the managing director. The guy that's going to be your boss is asking you questions. But the managing director knows you. The managing director is the one that said, you should come for this job. While the interview's going on, the guy's asking you questions, but the managing director keeps interrupting him and said, I like the way they answered that. That's good. They're good. How many know you're like, that's what an advocate is. I want to tell you, no matter what job you go for, there may be a boss, but that boss has a boss. And that boss is God. The Bible says the king's heart is in God's hands. That means God can turn your boss's heart like this. Oh, my boss don't like me. Listen, you need the Holy Spirit to go before you. The anointing will grab your boss's heart and be like, let me just turn that. Next day you come in, the boss is like, would you like a cup of tea? 
We need to get excited. We've got a spirit. He's an advocate. He's an advisor. And the Bible shows us this word, a helper. He's a comforter. He's a comforter. That means he brings peace. Maybe in 2019, you were trying to find peace in weed. You were trying to find peace in alcohol. You were trying to find peace in music. You were trying to find peace in a girlfriend or a guy. And you ended up the year and you still hadn't found peace yet. I want to tell you, God wants to send you the comforter. He will give you true peace. Christian, peace is yours. Peace is yours. It's yours. Leave. Maybe you didn't come with it today, but you're going to leave with it today. Because God says, listen, I'm going to send you the helper. That is the comforter. This is what it's all about. What it means is he will not leave you alone. No matter where you are, what you've gone through. Actually, he, he, he says in our text, he says, I won't leave you like orphans. Maybe you're here and you've never had. Maybe you're an orphan. Maybe you've never had a parent. Or maybe you've never had one, one of your parents. You're a half orphan. Maybe you've lost a loved one, lost a parent. If you if you was close to a parent, like a father or a mother, and you lose that person in your life, it's detrimental, man. It has a major effect upon you. Major effect. You start, because you, you, you feel alone. You feel like, who, this is the one that always looked out for you and cared for you. And Jesus says this, listen. You may be going through things, but the Spirit will come. And he's going to take care of you. The spirit will never leave you. You won't be alone. You won't be without help. You won't be without advice. You won't be without an advocate. There's someone on your side. In any situation, no matter what you're going through, God says, this is what I want to do for you. He says, I don't just want to save you. I want to fill you with my spirit. I want to come and live inside of you. This is amazing. This is more than just speaking in tongues and falling on the floor. This is us living this life and walking on this planet. And everywhere we go, God's power is ushering out of us. Everything we touch, marriage, money, kids, ministry, it's coming alive because his spirit is on us. Where we may be talented and we may have some ability and we can organize and we can sing but we're saying no 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 you start to function under the anointing listen when you're functioning under the anointing what happens is when you're doing things you're seeing a greater impact if I flick this and it flew across the room you'd be like what the heck you'd be no something's that's strange such little effort and we see major outcome, that's what God wants to do in your life. God doesn't want you flapping like pigeons, <laughs> living off the scraps in Trafalgar Square, eating out of people's hands, pecking. The Bible says he wants you to soar like an eagle. You don't see eagles flapping. They're just... You just fly into church, cruise. Yeah, I'm here. God bless you. <laughs> Service ends, come to the altar. All right, see you next week. <laughs> you just been soaring the whole week, man. Someone at your work at your workplace. We don't like you. 
I can't even see you. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> it's a pigeon. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to get away from that. We need this. I want the spirit this year. I, I, listen, I, don't mean, I want the spirit this year. I need to soar. This church needs to soar. Marriages need to soar. How many want it? How many are with me? Okay, we're going to, last scripture and then we're going to pray. We're going to bring you to the, I'm going to tell you straight, I'm mucking about nobody here. We're going to bring you to the front. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to bring you to the front and we're going to pray for you to get filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to lay our hands on you. You'll be like, this is strange. Remember, what's the question we always got to ask? Is it biblical? Acts 19 verse 4. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. So we understand that if you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, you've got to repent and believe on Jesus. So if you, you, you're up in here, I just want, yeah, give me the Spirit, I want to soar. Listen, you've got to believe. You've got to believe, you've got to repent. You can't be doing your own, I don't, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't believe in what you guys believe, but I want this. no, no, there's no soaring. They're going to crash. But once you believe, once you've repented, look what it said in verse 5. Then they heard this, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you, maybe you're baptized here, or you're willing to be baptized. You don't have to be baptized to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but you have to be willing. You can't be like, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. Many times people, that hinders people from being filled with the Spirit, because they won't submit to God. Verse 6, and when Paul had laid hands on them. This is why we do this. Paul, when Paul had laid hands on them, just we lay hands on you, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. The Bible didn't say they fell down. The Bible didn't say they started to feel giddy. The Bible didn't say they started to run around and do backflips. The Bible says they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to believe. How many are with me? I want every head bowed, every eye closed. We hope you've been blessed, edified and challenged by the sermon to reach the lost and make disciples. For more information on what we do and who we are, visit us at phcwandsworth.co.uk.